you are listening to the From Scratch Body. I'm Liv Austin and I believe that anyone can cook. Since being diagnosed with endometriosis, I have been on a journey to find out what food makes me feel great. By cooking my meals from scratch, not only have I started feeling much better, I've also fallen in love with cooking completely. So every week we explore a new topic that can help us feel better and become better cooks and then I share a recipe with you so you can cook along with me if you want. You can always find the recipes and the transcripts from the podcast on my website, thefromscratchbody.com. If you want to join me on my sourdough journey from scratch, and I mean from scratch, from being completely green and making my own starter, you can do that now. So first, let's quickly look at what wild yeast is and why you need a starter. Yeast is all around us. Sourdough bread is bread made without using any commercial yeast at all. Instead, you use a starter, meaning a fermented mixture of flour and water. Did you know that yeast is all around us? Well, yeast is naturally occurring in the air, on our skin, on our food, basically in all sorts of places. And when you make a starter for your sourdough, you are capturing that wild yeast. And there's no running around required. And you're using it to ferment the starter so it continues to live and produce its own natural yeast. The bubbles in yeast is what helps the bread rise when you bake. Commercial yeast is bits of yeast that were found to be especially active and therefore isolated and cultivated. And there's certainly no shame or problem with using commercial yeast to make your baking quick and easy. I use loads of commercial yeast. But for anyone who has tasted sourdough bread and knows how wonderfully flavorful it is, it's definitely tempting to have a go at making it yourself. Especially for us passionate home cooks, I feel like creating your own yeast is pretty next level in terms of cooking from scratch. I mean, how more natural can it get than using wild yeast that exists in your flour, water and your home? And because of the more diverse bacteria in wild yeast, it seems it is much better for our gut health, especially with everything we are learning about the importance of our gut microbiota and how we need to feed it a varied combination of food. We are also learning about how fermented food is possibly more important to our health than we ever realised. Again, linked to our increased understanding of the importance of gut health. I'm sure that I will, now that I've got into um, into uh, sourdough baking um, and that tiny corner of fermenting food, I'm sure that I will get into all sorts of different types of fermenting in the future. And um, down the line, I'll be looking at kimchi and kombucha and all sorts of stuff. I can kind of see myself going that that route. And I'd love for you to join me for it because it's just amazing to know that we can combine the passion of making something at home, which is just kind of blowing our minds uh, with, with what we can do and also knowing that it's doing something really good for us and hopefully we feel better after having it. So... I really want you to understand that you can do sourdough. 
<laughs> I was such a skeptic when it came to this. I will talk more about this in, in a bit. But um, I thought of it as like this dark art, you know, and um, and this thing that needed loads of time. You needed to com be completely uh, obsessed with it. It needed to be a new hobby, all of that kind of stuff. And I'm learning that it's not, you know, there's a bit of commitment to begin with to make your starter. And then a lot of it takes care of itself. So today, after the break, I'm going to go through how to make your sourdough starter from having a completely empty jar with nothing in it to having a bubbly active starter that you can use to make just to use some of the examples of what I've been making lately bread baguettes bagels focaccia the list goes on with stuff that you can make uh with with sourdough you know pizza dough you know pizza bases all sorts of amazing stuff so we're going to go through how you do that, how you do that from day one to day, well, depending on when it becomes active, but roughly day seven, uh, it was day eight for me. And uh, I'd also want to direct you towards my YouTube channel where you can get a sourdough basics video, a sourdough troubleshooting video. I also did a an introduction video when I was actually legitimately starting my sourdough journey I was standing there with an empty jar and uh, and kind of going, here we go. This is going to be the beginning of my journey. Um, so if you really want to know that someone genuinely started from scratch with this, uh, who can hold your hand through it, uh, check out those videos. Because again, kind of what I like offering for you guys is that I'm not an expert. I'm not a baker. I'm not, you know, an expert chef. And I'm trying these things. I'm learning from my mistakes. And I'm managing to do it. And so I can share with you how a normal person with a normal life and other commitments can do something like this. So I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to do sourdough starter, make your own in a jar, day one till day bubbles. So you could argue that this is way overdue. I mean, someone who loves bread and baking and from scratch cooking as much as me surely has to jump on the sourdough train. And here we go. But in true the from scratch body fashion, I'm going all the way from scratch. So I'm starting with my own starter and I want to encourage you guys to do the same. The whole sourdough thing has always made me a bit nervous and deciding to jump into it finally almost gave me butterflies. What if I mess it up? After banana bread, maybe, sourdough baking was probably the main activity of people stuck at home during the heights of the pandemic. I know there is tons of content out there on sourdough baking and you don't necessarily need me to guide you through this, but I think I want to be here more as a fellow newbie for this one. I'm not really a newbie anymore, but it's very fresh in my mind kind of starting this. Uh, and I'm not some sort of authority. I've just learned how to do it in the most basic way. And I felt a bit overwhelmed at the start before I actually start, started learning about it. So I kind of want to share that with you, that I can be a friend who's kind of guiding you through it. 
So shall we take this from the very beginning? Let's hold hands and learn about fermentation, bubbles, rising and naturally occurring yeast together. So first off, I knew that you needed a starter for sourdough. This magical, mystical starter that people get all obsessed with and they name it and they protect it, they boast about it. But I thought it was some really complicated thing that I possibly couldn't make myself and that I needed some generous soul to gift me a bit of their starter for me to be able to cultivate my own. And, uh, hello? Like, now you're telling me it's just a matter of some wholemeal flour and warm water? (laughs) I mean, I feel equal parts stupid and relieved. Reading the incredibly helpful tips on a website called The Clever Carrot, who also, they have a, she has a book on sourdough bread baking as well, so do check that out if you get really into it, which turned out to be my guide for this process. I started realising that hey, I can do this too. Why did I ever think I couldn't? Still, even though it's not as magical and mystical as we might have feared, there is quite a lot of stuff to take in uh, if it's all new to you, as it was to me. So my contribution here is to break it down more or less with where I was at in the process at different stages, and hopefully you can follow as I go through these steps. So. It turns out, as you probably realise by now, that you can totally make your own starter. You need wholemeal flour, or whole wheat flour, that's the same thing, depends where you're from, and some warm water, ideally filtered water. That is it. Oh, and also a fairly large jar that you can close properly. The process of making a living starter takes about seven days, but it can take up to two weeks, depending on many factors. So to break it up and make it super easy to follow, I will now share my day-by-day steps here like it went until I had a starter and what you need to do further on if your starter is not quite ready at exactly the time that mine was. But keep in mind that lots of factors play a part here when you are creating your own yeast like temperature, geography, water and flower quality. Now, I do recommend that you save this episode because you might want to come back to it and kind of remember where in the episode that I start talking about day one, day two, day three, etc. So you don't have to take it all in at the same time. Now, it's pretty repetitive, so (laughs) it's pretty much the same thing that you need to do again and again. Uh, You'll understand what I'm saying uh, in a minute when I kind of go through the different days. But still, just kind of take it one day at a time, come back to this episode. I also did um, YouTube shorts on this. So I have a whole playlist on YouTube. If you go to my shorts, uh, you can find all of the different days I filmed, what was happening, what was going on. Um, And you can also see them, I think, in my baking um, playlist. Very easy to find on my channel, the From Scratch Body. So here we go. Sourdough starter day by day. Day one, make your starter. For day one, you need a completely clean jar, about 750 milliliter size or bigger. This needs to be entirely clean and that is to avoid that any mold starts growing in your starter because we can't have that. Then you need half a cup of wholemeal flour, 
other types work too, but this is definitely the safest and easiest. You want a flour that's ideally strong, meaning that it has a high protein content. So you can check that if you're looking at different flours in the shop or online. Look at the um, the protein content because we want uh, definitely want a high protein content here. And about a third of a cup of warm water, possibly a little bit more. Mix it with a fork in your jar until you have a thick and gooey mixture. Then you close your lid and you leave the jar in a fairly warm place. The ideal temperature is around 23 degrees Celsius, which is about 75 Fahrenheit. So a it's kind of an annoying temperature because it's a little bit warmer than you want to have it in your house. Um, <laughs> so where is that? Hopefully you can find somewhere that's... Uh, that's good for it. Um, one tip that I have is to have it near a light. So for example, if you have a microwave, you can put it in the microwave if um, the size fits in there and have the door ajar. Because then in most microwaves, that means that the light stays on and that tiny little lamp can just keep it that bit um, warmer than the rest of the room is. You can try something similar in your oven, for example. Maybe if you have an oven where you can just turn on the light without turning on any heat. Um, those sorts of places would be great. If you don't really have those options, just a cupboard somewhere that kind of stays quite warm. It could be a cupboard near an oven or something like that, um, that kind of warms up. Uh, that, that could work too. So experiment with what works in your house. And also, don't worry, because you're not going to have to keep it at this temperature forever. You just need to kind of be a bit more active <laughs> with it, pun intended, um, this first week when you are making it. Day two is as easy as it gets. You need to check for bubbles. You want to check if your starter has any bubbles on the surface, which is an indication that the fermentation has started. But <laughs> it gets kind of complicated because even if you can't really see any bubbles, you don't need to worry too much. Just leave it in a warm place for another 24 hours. One thing that you kind of want to check out for is if a dark liquid that kind of smells a bit has built up on the top of your starter, this is called hooch, don't worry. You're going to pour that out tomorrow, but for now you can leave it as it is. Now we're coming to day three and basically I'm going to go through day three, four, five and six because you're going to do the same thing for four days in a row now. So on these days, you need to feed your starter and you're going to get very used to doing this. Same procedure every day. Discard about half of the starter I was very meticulous in the beginning and I weighed it and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I've learned that that's not that important. So roughly half of your starter you want to get rid of. The reason being you want to introduce new bacteria to keep it active, to keep stuff happening in the jar. And then you add another third of a cup of water and a half a cup of flour. If you don't have measuring cups, by the way, if you find that confusing when I say cups, so I'm talking about measuring cups, you know, where they are in a set and you have like one cup 
and then you have a three-quarter cup, you have half a cup, you have a third of a cup, you know, blah, blah, blah. So um, actually, if uh, weighing things is easier for you, then we're talking 60 grams of each, 60 grams of water, 60 grams of flour. We want the wa uh, water to be warm, lukewarm, not too hot, but you can, you know, boil some water and then leave it standing out for a bit so it kind of cools down or whatever works for you, but try and have filtered water. So you add that in every day. So the same procedure for day three, four, five, and six, you take out about half or a bit less of the starter and you feed it with another 60 grams of water or a third of a cup and 60 grams of flour, which is about half a cup. If you want to keep an eye on where the starter is in terms of size, if it's bubbling, how much is growing, you can put a rubber band around the jar towards the later days of making the starter. This is not a must. I've kind of stopped doing that because you kind of roughly know in your head where it was and you can kind of see if it's bubbling and if it's active. But it can be quite fun to see that like, oh, wow, it's like grown to like twice the size, you know, so that's something you can do. On day seven... You want to do the same discarding and feeding again. So remove about half of the starter and then you put in a third of a cup of warm water, half a cup of flour. And then you give the starter a chance to rise and bubble for maybe a few hours. Now on this day you can, if the starter is growing and bubbling, you can do the famous float test. The float test is basically have a glass of water drop a teaspoon of the starter in there. If it floats, the starter is ready to be used for baking. And if it sinks, don't worry, you just need to give it another day, feed it again and try again. The flow test is going to be your friend going forward because basically every day you can do the same thing. If, if it's not really active, you can feed it again. And if it looks like it's bubbling, if it looks really active, then you can do the flow test at any any point of the day. You can test it several times a day and see if it's active. And whenever you want to use your starter, you can do this test. So that is how you make a starter. I hope that wasn't too waffly. If you need to have it in front of you as well, this is on my website, thefromscratchbody.com. So that might be easier to come back to than this um, aud audible <laughs> version of, of going through it. Um, but I just wanted to run this through with you in a more relaxed kind of informal way, just explain how straightforward and repetitive it is. That's literally all you do to make the starter. Now, you might run into some issues, you might run into some questions, and we're going to answer those next week. I'm going to do a an episode on troubleshooting. Help me, my starter's not working, it's not bubbling, you know. So we'll go through some of the more typical problems that you might uh, run into with your starter and then I'm also going to do a basic sourdough bread recipe if your starter is ready to go. So you've got a week um, or you can save next week's episode for when your starter is ready to use or if you're having major trouble with it then maybe next week will be a perfect time to listen to it. Um, just so you know what happened with mine, um, I did the flow test on day seven and it did not float. So I left it another day, I fed it again, and I let it stay in the warm temperature that I kept it, 
and I saw it bubbling and I tested it again on day eight and it was floating. It was very exciting the first time it floated in the water. And so I immediately baked my first sourdough loaf and it was just the most incredible experience. So lovely. The bread wasn't perfect because I still had a bit of baking technique to kind of learn and we'll get into that later. But it was super tasty, lovely, lovely sourdough and I'm so, uh, so chuffed with it. And uh, I can't wait to share more sourdough recipes with you. But next week will be sourdough starter troubleshooting and a basic sourdough bread recipe. So I'll see you then. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Remember that you can always check out the recipe on my website, thefromscratchbody.com, if you want to have it in front of you when you're cooking. But be brave and make it your own too. Also check out my Instagram at thefromscratchbody and my YouTube channel, The From Scratch Body, for lots of food inspiration that you can totally recreate yourself. Remember, cook from scratch and your body will thank you. See you next week.